One should be concentrating on clues that the universe is dropping for them to take up a quick reaction. Divine power is seeking my undivided attention. I had to achieve the tranquility of spiritual maturity through the guidance of the universe. I will always be seven. Hashtag 007. Hashtag stay mellow. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We are going to be talking about Tuesday's games in the NBA, a dud from Jaron Jackson Jr., Carmelo Anthony's NBA return, all of the rest of the action from Tuesday as well, and then previewing a big 11-game slate across the NBA for Wednesday. Michael Bolton. Let's get to it. To it. Let's get to it. Indeed. We will start with the first game of the day, the Golden State Warriors with an ass-kicking on the road against the Memphis Grizzlies. 114-95, the Warriors win. They went with that starting lineup with Draymond Green at point guard once again. Green had uh, only eight points, but played 35 minutes, had 10 rebounds, 11 assists, and two blocks. Now, his field goal percentage as the point guard has been atrocious, but those other numbers are pretty okay. Well, they're they're very good, to be honest. 11 assists with one turnover, also a massive assist-to-turnover ratio if you're playing in a league with that as a category. He did hurt that troublesome elbow, though. He was able to return to the game, and Steve Kerr, after the game, said it uh, it was fine. You can call me Coach Steve. So, yeah, that's a positive, but I still worry that the fact that he's constantly in, in pain with this elbow and it looks to be a recurring thing, that that might cause some further games missed down the road. Of course, Draymond isn't a drop. If you could trade him away for any sort of top 60 guy, which is probably hard at this point, I would really look into it. Uh, he's never getting back to those peak levels that he was at uh, in the past. Marquise Chris had a big one, 17 and 6, 21 minutes with four blocks. And the criticism of Chris has never been, can this guy put up stats if he gets minutes? We're well across that that will be the case. It's can he get on the court for enough minutes to put up those stats, A, without being a dickhead, or B, without getting into foul trouble. And in general, those two things, one of those two things, or both of those things have happened. This was great, but... When Kavon Looney returns, that's and that's going to be happening soon, probably next week, where do those minutes go? And then when D'Angelo Russell returns, Draymond Green's point guard minutes disappear. And Draymond moves back into the front court. So that is a 35-minute player. And Looney is a 26, 27-minute guy eventually, meaning Willie Cauley-Stein gets all the backup sentiments. And where the hell does Chris fit in? So this is great. Short term, a game, maybe. But after that, like, I don't really see it. Cooley Stein, 6-10 with 4 assists and 2 steals. I would canvas your league to see if anyone thinks he is good and trade him away because that value, uh, as small as it is, is going to disappear. While Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson the third, Big nights from them. 29-8 from Berksy with a steal, with a block. 60% shooting, of course, that won't stick. But for the time being, he does have 12-team value. While Glenn Robinson the third had 20 points with very little else. Shout-out to Colin Sexton. He hit three threes in this game. Robinson, just a, a deeper league guy. The triangle Eric Pascal fouled out. 17 points looks great on paper. It took 15 shots. His peripherals are really low. When Russell comes back, I don't think that Pascal is going to be a 12-team league guy. He might be. I would have him for now, but I just don't see it necessarily continue. While the lubricant Kai Bowman, 25 minutes, the five assists there are handy. But again, Russell's return is going to eliminate him from having really any sort of um, any sort of fantasy value 
at all would be my guess. The Memphis side of things, Dylan Brooks, he's much more consistent this year, which is great. 18 points in 32 minutes, three triples, two steals, and a block. But the Grizzlies don't play again until Saturday. So if he is on your wire and he's available in lots of spots, adding him now means you're sacrificing the ability to stream someone in Thursday. Probably can't stream someone Wednesday, and you might not be able to Friday. Shit, even if you add Brooks, he's probably not in your best lineup on Saturday either. So while those numbers are good, and, and uh, Jay Crowder's 15 and 11 with four threes are nice, I'm not looking at them as must-add 12-team league guys. I would have Brooks over Crowder. Ja Morant, who I did detail in the buy low show earlier today uh, because of his shooting numbers, another 35% night, but 20 points, six assists with a triple one. The steals and three numbers from Morant had been low. They came back in this one. He's going to be really, really good, I think, at some point. Uh, so later this season, for now, he's he has been struggling in the last couple of weeks, but this is okay. But let's talk about the elephant in the room. He has three letters in his nickname. That is Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr., Fouled out in 18 minutes, had absolutely no stats in the first half apart from fouls. Ended up with eight points and nothing else. An absolute disaster of a performance from Jackson. So that means you buy him low. Now, the blocks are non-existent. The fouls are a consistent trouble. The lack of usage is troubling. It's all been bad. Like It has been bad, and he is not going to return the value that you spent on him in the draft. And I was trying to, rem- trying to remember where I had him in the, the pre-draft process in terms of ranks. I think I had him, if not fourth round. Like if, if, if it was third round, it was probably back end third round, maybe fourth round, and it's going to probably end up being wrong. Like He's not going to get to that level. The usage isn't there. They're not featuring him. He's losing confidence. He hasn't figured out the fouls, all those things. But this is the prime buy low opportunity in dynasty leagues and in redraft formats because people are pissed. There's a lot of talk about him being trash. He literally just turned 20, like a couple of months ago. Like he is younger than plenty of the rookies that came in to the uh, to the league this year in the draft, and that is, I guess, hope for that to improve. It doesn't look good at this point. There's no there's no denying that. Um, He's not a drop under any circumstance. Valanchunas, yeah, not his best night. Seven and six, still a hold. Or Brandon Clark looked good. Seventeen and five, a steal and a block. Now, out of like Brooks and Crowder and Clark, guys, you might be on waiver wise. So Clark is the guy you add, and I would add him even through the fact that we're going to have three or four days where he doesn't play. His efficiency, he scores well, he rebounds well. I think more defense will come from Clarkey as we move forward, but really, really good stuff from him again in this game. While Tyus Jones remains one of those underrated assists stream type players. He had another four here uh, with only four points and four rebounds, but the four assists obviously have a level of value for fantasy leagues. Let us move on now. Let's talk about the next game of the day, and this was one of the most anticipated games almost of the season, as weird as it is to say a Tuesday night uh, Portland at New Orleans game is because Carmelo Anthony made his NBA return. For the Blazers, they got smacked 115-104. Mello immediately put into the starting lineup, and before I talk about his performance, this is bad coaching from Terry Stotts. This bloke has played two games. Sorry, he has started two games in the NBA since the playoffs of the 2017-18 season. He played 10 games for the Rockets last year, started two of them, and immediately put into a team that's already lacking Damian Lillard into the starting lineup, and unpredictable, sorry, predictably, he got cooked. He was a team worst minus 20, a game worst minus 20. The next best or the next worst in that uh, stat was a minus 10. That doesn't tell the whole story, but is a 36-year-old who hasn't played defense for five years, hasn't played in the NBA for a year and has had trouble uh, accepting his role, and you try to put him into a featured situation, it's it's bad coaching. He was thoroughly outplayed by the guy who had been starting, Nasir Little. Um, and Mallow, again, this just reinforces he's not a 12-team ad. 10 points for Mallow in 24 minutes. 
He hit two threes, had four rebounds, and blocked a shot. Now, that one of those threes and one of those blocks came in about the first two minutes of the game, and he didn't do too much else apart from that. He had five turnovers. He um, tried to dunk on Jackson Hayes, and I did tweet this out, but I think it's important to know. Now, it's, it's, it's a dunk that you went for, and you got a race. Fine, that happens. But when we're talking about it in the scope of Mallow, for a bloke whose reason that he wasn't in the NBA for a year and a bit was the fact that teams worried that he wouldn't accept his role, his declining skills, and fit into a team construct, that was part of the reason. He just wouldn't, and you say he came off the bench in Houston, but still didn't buy into things. The fact that he still thinks at age 36, without playing in the NBA, he can go up and dunk on a bloke who is a really strong rim protector and shot blocker like Jackson Hayes. Like, Have you got any level of self-reflection or understanding where you are as a player like that, that that's it could mean absolutely nothing but when we pair it with everything with Mallow it's it's a little bit worrying he shouldn't start for this team he will but he shouldn't the minutes should be low 20s I don't know if they will be and then when Damian Lillard comes back if Mallow is coming out there with a usage of 34 percent it's a it's an absolute disaster Little had 23 minutes. Now, I think Nassir might have played a little bit more. He did have some foul trouble, and he was good. 12 and 11, two blocks and a steal. The shooting level is not going to stick there, but I like what he can do defensively. To me, he's that perfect fit alongside Lillard and McCullum. And it is hard to judge because Dame didn't play in this one. Little is not a 12-team ad. He's more of a 16-team guy with maybe 14-team upside. It's clear to me he'll be in over Mario Hazonia, who looks lost at the moment, 7-2-2 two two for Hazonia here. Rocket Rodney Hood was shitful. 8, 5, and 4 in 32 minutes. In any any scant 12-team value that Hood had with Mallow around, I think that gets evaporated. While McCullum had 22, 4, and 5, two steals and a block, the efficiency wasn't there, took more shots without uh, without Dame around. I still believe that he is a strong uh, a strong sell-high guy. While Hassan Whiteside, 29 minutes, 14 and 14 with a block, 71% from the, from the field. That's great from a fantasy basketball point of view. But watching this bloke... The He has no awareness. He doesn't give a shit. He doesn't try. It is unbelievably frustrating. He had a, a, a travel, I think, in the fourth quarter where he was just standing with the ball back to his basket. He just kept just kept moving his feet back and forth. Like, what are you? And then he goes, like, "What am I doing?" And the ref's going, "Well, you you keep moving both of your feet, which you shouldn't be doing. Do you not know how basketball works?" That's basically the impression I was getting. He is just super frustrating to watch. As a player, Anthony Simon started in place of Lillard. 13 points in 36 minutes with three triples and four assists. Great. 31% shooting. Offers very little else apart from scoring, and that doesn't have value outside of those deeper formats at this point in his career. For the Pelicans, Brandon Ingram was back 21-7-5. Two steals and a block. Great performance. The shooting numbers, which were inflated at the start of the season, came right down. Love that he hit all four of his free throws. He was um, uh, just one of five from three. At least the volume's still there. And that's why I always had him as that sell-high guy. He's never going to maintain top 15 numbers, but that was strong. Drew Holiday, great to see him with 22 points, even though Ingram was back. He had 10 assists and five rebounds and was super efficient, 56 from the field. While Jackson Hayes, nine and seven, three blocks for Hazy, two steals. Looked really good out there. Now, I don't think that he's going to be getting 29 or 28 minutes a night anytime soon, regularly. When Favors comes back, I think Favors will be in as the starter, uh, and Hayes will be the primary backup. And he's had three blocks in back-to-back games. Now, that's obviously really useful, playing as a starter there. Um, he did hurt his ankle a little bit at the end of this game, and then um, 
Uh, didn't return. They, they thought he was fine, but he didn't come back in because the game was over. So that, that is something to watch. But we had 27 minutes of Nicolò Melli, 14-6-4 with three steals in this one. Not sure he's necessarily going to be a rotation piece. Hayes is probably a 14-team ad at the moment while Favors is out. I just don't see them pushing him into a 30-minute I don't think he's ready. He's not a very strong rebounder in general. Uh, the blocks are going to come, but he can still get pushed around quite easily under the basket with his uh, lack of strength. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, he was rough in this one. Three points on six shots. I think when Lonzo and Hart return, uh, he won't be in the rotation most nights. So if you did add him for those couple of games where, um, uh, where Ingram was out, he's probably a, a drop at this point. Well, Kenny Williams... 8 and 13, three steals in the block. This bloke is just good at basketball. Now, will he get all of this opportunity when everyone returns? God, no. Um, of course, he's playing Zion's role at the moment. Um, you've got four regular rotation guys who, at minimum, are like 24-minute-a-night players, and people are going to suffer. Nick Jackson, uh, Frank Jackson, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Etwan Moore, those guys are going to lose playing time. Malley's going to lose playing time as well, and, and Williams is going to lose some of that. But for now, he does have some value as a... Um, as a 14 to probably 16 team league guy who uh, is just really, really strong when you watch him on the court. He just does shit that makes teams better. And that is something that NBA teams can always uh, can always benefit from. Now, during Thanksgiving week, guys, which is coming up, my bookie is offering a risk-free bet on the NFL Bears-Lions game. Simply choose a team against the spread for up to 250 bucks. If you win, congrats. You've got extra holiday spending money. And if you lose, congratulations as well. My bookie will give you all of your money back. It's a no-brainer because you literally cannot lose. It's all risk. No, it's not. It's no risk. It's all gravy. It doesn't matter whether you're an experienced player or a first-time customer. My bookie welcomes all to come and play. So quit waiting around and sign up today. Go to mybookie.ag and make your first deposit with the promo code LOCKEDONNBA and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar to jumpstart your bankroll. And that's on top of the risk-free bet. Guaranteed deposit match and a risk-free bet on Thanksgiving only. If you are a true sporting fan, you will take this offer up from MyBookie. Do your part to support your team. Hop on the gravy train and get in the action with MyBookie. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, on to the next game, the Phoenix Suns and the Sacramento Kings. Um, wasn't really this close until right at the end. The Suns, a bit of a late flurry to come back into it. 116-120, the Kings get the win. Ricky Rubio was back. But he wasn't back. He suffered back spasms last game, uh, returned, started, played the first half, and then never came back after halftime. He did not look right out there. One point in 16 minutes, missed all seven of his shots, only two assists. And I'd have to imagine there is going to be some missed time for uh, Rubio. There is one more game uh, before a weekend back-to-back for the Suns this week. They play again on Thursday, and then they have the Saturday-Sunday back-to-back. So I would expect that Rubio probably does sit out that Thursday game. Um, with Rubio out, Tyler Johnson started the second half. He didn't do a huge amount. What we saw is a lot more of those lineups, which I've advocated for a long time with the Suns. Devin Booker running point guard, and then guys like McCall Bridges and Cameron Johnson and Kelly Oubre playing the two, three, four, uh, two, three and four spots. Oubre, 20 and eight, five steals. Fantastic. Talked about him on the buy low show today, saying those defensive numbers were probably, they were really down. They're probably going to come back. I didn't think to this degree. That's obviously awesome. Booker was great. 35 and 8 with two steals. Continues to hit threes at an astonishing level now. He is putting up great numbers. They're going to drop at some point some of the shooting, but maybe not that much. There was also no Aaron Bainesy Baines. Frank Kaminsky started. Uh, didn't look quite right. He was probable himself with a hip problem. Played 23 minutes, had 17 points. That's okay. 
Of course, Kaminsky's value disappears completely when all these guys come back like Baines and Aiton. Uh, Cam Johnson, uh, really impressed with what Johnson's doing in his role. 18 points in 26 minutes, four threes, a steal, a block, took 13 shots. And if you're looking for a three-point streamer, he is really, really solid in that role. And I wouldn't be surprised if at some point he took over the starting power forward job ahead of Dario Saric, who struggled here. Two points in 21 minutes for Saric. We had Czech Diallo get some extra minutes with the injuries to uh, Baines and Kaminsky. And then McCall Bridges, finally. 26 minutes for Bridges, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 2 steals, 7 of 7 from the line. Now, again, the fact that where there was no um, Baines in this one meant that Kaminsky was playing exclusively at power forward, meaning that guys like Johnson had to push up. Uh, so uh, Kaminsky was playing exclusively at center, so guys like Johnson have to push up to power forward. The fact that Rubio was out pushing Booker down to the one meant that minutes opened up for Bridges, but he took full advantage of it. I'm not ready to buy in to grab him. He's been he's a steel streamer at this point, but this is really interesting. This is why we liked him so much last year. To see this level of production is obviously encouraging. We had Ali Okobo play 18 minutes as well. He had five assists. I still think Okobo can be a decent enough backup point guard, but it's not going to be on this team. For the Kings, my man Bogdan Bogdanovic, 36 minutes, 31 points, 7 assists, 7 threes, 3 steals, 79% shooting. That's obviously ludicrous. I don't know what they're going to do when De'Aaron Fox returns. They would be absolute numbskulls, haven't used that word in a while, to limit Bogdanovich and play um, players like Trevor Ariza and literally even Harrison Barnes over him because Bogdanovich is clearly the better player uh, out of that group. A must-roster player, but something to watch. Don't have an update at this point. At the end of the game, he wasn't closing the game out. He was on the sidelines with a trainer looking at his hamstring. That is something to watch. Rishon Holmesy Holmes, 20 and 15 with two blocks. A must-roster player across all leagues. Now, so many people are worried about Holmes, and despite how well he's playing, he might actually even be not only a must-add, but a buy-low player. I'm oh, worried about how things are going to go when Bagley returns. He's much better than uh, Bielitsa. He's much better than Dwayne Dedman. It should be Bagley and and Holmes that are playing the minutes up front. Now, there'll be nights that he gets in foul trouble. There's no doubt about that. But he should be rostered. And then when Bagley comes back, if they do something dumb, figure it out later. But Bagley doesn't play at center. He, lim- he plays limited minutes at center. If anyone's going to be removed from the rotation, it's going to be Deadman. And then you play Bagley, Bielitsa, and, um, and Holmes, those 96 front court minutes. Get a razor out of the rotation. I feel like his role... Okay, the usage might drop, but it was 19% usage here. It's not like his game is predicated on high usage. It's high efficiency. He blocks some shots. He grabs some boards. He's looking pretty good out there. Corey Joseph, career high and assists 14 for him. He had two blocks, a steal. That looks great. His last couple of games were absolutely piss poor. He can be a weird assists stream type option like for today, but he is in by no means a 12-team league ad just based off this. Well, Bielitsa has that short-term value, but that is going to really disappear once Bagley returns. 17-8 and eight for Bielitsa. The pencil, Harrison Barnes. Barnesy, a low upside player, 15-2-2, two two, who, who can be a 12-er, but that's really, look, he's just really at the back end there. Well, it wasn't a good night for Bud Hill. 12 points on 14 shots. Five rebounds, four assists. He was five of six from the free throw line. We're not panicking. We're not dropping him. But he was on the bench to uh, close the game for Bogdanovich until Bogdanovich had that hamstring injury and then Heald did come in and replace him there. So that is, I guess, something to marginally monitor as we move forward. But he's not a drop uh, under any circumstance uh, for fantasy leagues. All right, so on to the last game of the day. It was the Oklahoma City Thunder and the LA Lakers. The Lakers get the win 112-107. In the end, Dennis Schroeder with a big night, 31 points in 30 minutes on, only 20 shots, 60% shooting, very little else apart from that. 
We know that his shooting can be wildly inconsistent. And when he has games like this, of course, he's a valuable option in 12-team leagues. I don't think it's going to last at this level all season. I think there's a chance that he is traded or maybe moved into a smaller role at some point. They are using a lot of three-guard lineups. Of course, it could move the other way, and Chris Paul goes and he moves into a 32, 33-minute-a-night role. So far, he's the 136th-ranked player over the course of the season. The poor shooting keeps it down. Um, He can be an interesting points and assists type of guy, but that's really about it for Schroeder. The Italian cock. Hands off my cock. Daniela Gallinari, big game, 25 and 6, 64 from the field, 82 from the line. I think I mentioned yesterday I thought he was a little bit of a buy low guy. Obviously, that worked out pretty well here. While Chris Paul stunk four points, but 10 assists, five rebounds, four steals. It's the anti Colin Sexton. When the shot doesn't go in, at least he provides something else. He's, he's putting up some pretty decent numbers at the moment. Gilgis Alexander also, I talked about him on the buy low show that we'd hope to get some of those peripherals back. Five rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. Unfortunately, the efficiency wasn't there, just 31%. I still think he is a little bit of a buy-low guy. While Steven Adams, man, two, six, and four, um, one of three from the line. At least he didn't miss a free throw in this one. Didn't hit one, but didn't miss one. Only 24 minutes. Um, I, 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 think he's, I think it's done. I don't think that he is a 12-team hold anymore. Now he could turn it around, and he probably will, but... There are guys, when you look at them, like a Larry Markkinen, where you go, well, I think the shots are going to start to fall. I'm just not convinced with Adams. I think he's not right physically. The minutes are down. That's the biggest concern, is that Nerlens Noel is outplaying him. The free throws kill you. The efficiency is way off, and, and I just don't know what it is with Adams. And I think you'll find better options on the waiver wire in, in most cases. As for Noel, 15-8, and eight, three steals. Probably should be on a 12-team roster somewhere. Those defensive numbers alone are giving you enough. And if for some reason he takes over from Adams or Adams does have an injury that requires surgery, you know, Noel's going to put up big, big numbers. So he probably is a 12-team league guy. Terry Ferguson, three points in 31 minutes. Shout out to Tony Snell. Let's move on to the Lakers. Tone Davis, 34-7, and seven, four assists, four steals, two blocks, three triples. As I said yesterday, maybe, maybe it was yesterday or the day before, People overreact to one game. Anthony Davis, the biggest bust of the season, someone told me. Cool. I'll take that for my bust. That's why you, when someone has a bad game, going at a buy low is always a good, a good option. LeBron James. LeBron James. Gets his triple-double against his 30th NBA team. Has one against all teams now. 25-11-10 with two steals for LeBron. Just three of six from the line, which is always annoying. And we got big performance, a big performance from JaVale. 23 minutes. The first time he's played more minutes than Dwight in what feels like forever. Four blocks, eight points. Now, JaVale is not a must-add player. I would much rather have, say, Nerlens Noel. But if, as a block streamer, both him and Dwight Howard have that value. Howard blocked two shots in his 17 minutes. Neither of those guys are 12-team league guys, but they can be added on a night like this when there are four games and you want to get some blocks. That's where your option is. Uh, Rajon Rondo, 27 minutes. It's a lot of minutes for Rondo. Uh, the 10 assists are obviously nice. Everything else is not nice. Eight points, two rebounds, poor percentages. If you need assists, you're not going to find a guy that consistently gets high numbers like him, and that has its value in itself. Everything else has some concern about where he fits on this roster. It's been good so far. Uh, in terms of that, those alley-oops, the passing's been okay, and getting someone on that second unit who can dribble is a huge plus because there was nobody else who could run that sort of situation. 
but I wouldn't look at him as a must-roster 12-team guy. You're well aware of what I think of the future MVP, Kyle Kuzma. He did suffer a poke in the eye and a cut on the face. He never returned from that, but that doesn't mean anything. He was a, not a rosterable guy before this. He's not a rosterable guy after it. He had five points in nine minutes. He is a deeper league guy only, as is Dan Green, who played 21 minutes and had five, five, and three during that time. Also, shout out to KCP, the guy that gets shit on the most in the entire NBA. He's rostered in 4% of leagues, KCP. While Avery Bradley is out, it should be more. Now, it's not 12s. It's probably not 14s. But 13 and 4 with three triples and two assists is enough to be rostered in 16, 18 team leagues. Definitely 20 and definitely 30 team leagues. Although, on Yahoo, 30 team leagues don't exist. Yahoo, my bosses, if you're listening to me, go and uh, add 30 team league options. I have plenty of thoughts about how you can improve your product. Although, I'm sure none of them are listening to this. Let's now have a look at some... um, at the injury news, before we flip it over to talk DFS, Kavon Looney looks like he could be in line for a return next week. Um, it's going to take a bit of time for him to get back into it, but he is going to be, I believe, a 12-team league guy that's going to nullify Willie Cauley-Stein's value, Marquise Cruz, Amari Spellman. So if you're looking at a stash option, Looney, maybe a guy to add over Steven Adams. Kevin Herter, his timeline has been extended now four to five weeks with that shoulder issue, as I highlighted on yesterday's mini-show. He's a drop in uh, all 12-team formats. Uh, unfortunately, Kyrie Irving, I'm a little bit worried about this injury to Irving and his shoulder. He's going to miss again on Wednesday. It is definitely cause for concern there. Alfred Payton's out for another week and a half with his hammy, giving more value for Nilakina, who still just remains a fringe 12-team league player. Jacob Evans is going to be reevaluated next week. Not that he's providing much value, but of course, there are plenty of minutes there in Golden State. And if they decide to move the lubricant Kai Bowman back down to the G League, Evans will get some backup point guard minutes, especially with D'Angelo Russell's sideline. They're not adverse to throwing guys who aren't traditional point guards into the point guard role, and they were grooming Evans for that backup role before he strained his groin at the beginning of the season. Another bunch of injuries to talk about. Marcus Smart has been upgraded to probable with his ankle. That's great news. I've got Looney on there twice for his hamstring. I'm not sure why. Uh, Grayson Allen will be uh, reevaluated over the weekend with his ankle injury. When he comes back, that'll hurt guys like Solomon Hill and Marco Goodrich, for those of you in a deep league. Uh, maximum Derek White with his foot issue. Maximum Derek. Uh, he is ruled out for Wednesday. That's maybe part of the reason why he's sucking at the moment. I- I'm really hard to hold on to him, I think, in 12-team formats or definitely in 10-team formats. Well, Marvin Bagley, we're not too far away from a return from Bagley. He's, he's traveling with the team. Uh, I would expect you know, two weeks probably we're looking at maximum for Bagley. So if you're in a strong position, adding him off the wire if he was dropped is an interesting stash-type move that I would be uh, definitely looking into. And some last ones to look at. Draymond did hurt his elbow. He says he's fine. It's got a bruise on it, but let's monitor that. Kuzma with his eye, as I mentioned, was questionable to return and never did. And then Rubio with his back. And then we've got some more information on the Bogdan Bogdanovich hamstring issue that kept him out of the end of the game. He said it was nothing more than a cramp. So hopefully that's the case. And we'll monitor that to see how it goes over the coming days. Of course, if he misses, that's going to really boost the value of, say, like a Corey Joseph or a Yogi Ferrell. Maybe even uh, Harrison Barnes has to get more touches with De'Aaron Fox already sidelined. Let's move into a very, very busy day for DFS on Wednesday, 11 games on. We're going to be looking at uh, DraftKings pricing for these games, so let's get stuck into them. All right, the first game of this big-ass slate is the Knicks heading to Philadelphia to take on the Sixers. The Sixers are a whopping 12.5-point favorites. The total, 213.5. The Sixers, good defense. The Knicks, horrible offense is going to keep this game pretty low. The spread is also pretty worrying. Lord Alfred Payton is out for the Knicks. 
And we've also got RJ Barrett probable, so he'll be ready to go uh, almost definitely. I can't see any situation why he wouldn't. So let's look at the point guards. 5,800 for Barrett, who hasn't really been playing well. The Sixers' defense is a worry, but still, even though he hasn't been playing well, he's still averaging 27 over the last five, Barrett. And at 5,800, that's almost enough. And then if he puts up numbers ahead of that, you're looking okay. Benny Simmons at 8,000, better options out there with 11 games on. While Frankie Nilakina. 4,500, I just don't trust it for Frank. Maybe in a tournament, if he gets 24 steals, that'll be worth it. But otherwise, I just don't see him as a $4,500 guy. How Neto, God, of course not. At shooting guard, Joshy Richardson is at 5,700. A bit of a stinker last game, but even with that stinker, he's averaging 29 over his last five. I think there is okay value in that, especially against the subpar defense. We do have to worry, of course, about the fact that it's the Knicks and blowout potential, while Furkan Korkmaz at 39. I think that's an interesting GPP guy. Extra minutes, maybe in a blowout. He had 21 last game in 18 minutes. There might be something there at least. For the small forwards, Toby Harris is at 6,200, really putting up some good numbers of late, 47 in the last game. It's coming on uh, weird defensive numbers, which happened in the last game. But still, at 6,200, he is a relatively safe floor guy here, I believe, while Marcus Morris, also at 6,200, also a relatively safe floor guy. If I'm going to pick one of those players, it is going to be uh, Harris, but Morris is still in play. Don't like that their names sound so the same. Mike Scott and Kevin Knox knows from me. At the big man spots, Big Al Horford, 6,100. Really like it, uh, like the matchup. Um, I'm not as worried about his minutes as I am for, say, someone like Embiid, because if they're up big, Embiid will play 26, but Horford will still push that 29-30 mark would be my guess. So I like him to get to that number, while Mitchie Robinson at 5,500. Robinson says, I'll take it from here. Um, even in limited minutes, he's uh, getting close to that. 25 points in 17 minutes last game. He's averaging 25 over his last five. Still not totally sold on it. There's a lot of risk. There's also a lot of upside. If he gets to 30 minutes, he'll smash that out. But getting to there is the, the trouble. While Embiid's at 10,000, I already detailed my concerns just in terms of um, how much he will actually play if this game does blow out. Julius Randle's at 7,000. Good from him last time out. This is a, a pretty bad matchup for Randle. So I think I'd fade him, Punch Bob, and Taj Gibson. They're not really in the mix as uh, as options for me either. Let's move on to the next game. We're looking at the San Antonio Spurs, uh, Spurs and the Washington Wizards. Um, the Spurs obviously struggling at the moment. Uh, if they can't get a win here, then uh, they were in a, a fair bit of uh, they're in a fair bit of trouble. I would say I think that's a that's a fair way of looking at it. Um, at point guard, well, actually, one thing we do know: Maximum Derek will not be playing. Maximum Derek. He has foot soreness. Maybe that explains just how shit he's been for most of this season. So. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if the low minutes from DeJounte recently have been a medical thing or a he's playing poorly thing. I think we'll see them increase a little bit here, DeJounte Murray. And that puts him at 5,200 firmly into the GPP mix. If he gets to 26 or 27, which I think he can do, uh, there could be a 30-pointer and that nice salary, uh, low salary is worth looking at. Isaiah Thomas is at 55. Weirdly enough, I think his strong enough um, uh, cash value there for him. But... Um, it's, it's hard to be 100% infused or enthused, that's a better word, on Isaiah as a tournament guy, but I think there's good cash value in him there. Paddy Mills at 4,000 is a good tournament player with White out, and then we go down to Ish Smith, who is not worth looking at. Troy Brown's at 4,100, not, not caring about that. Well, Brad Beal, 95 for Beal, really good numbers. Uh, 54 average over his last five. You, you love him. He's been playing an absolute shit ton of minutes, averaging 40 minutes over his last five, which, of course, gives you good value. Well, DeMar DeRozan at 81, 
Great game from DeRozan last time out, but not um, super interested in him as a tournament guy here or, or a cash guy. That salary rise of a thousand does uh, unsweeten the uh, the appeal of DeRozan. Rudy Gay's at 49. I don't even know why I mentioned him. I'm not going to be using him. Davis Bertans at 45. That is one that I'm way more interested in. Bertans is getting like 28 minutes a night at the moment, putting in some interesting type performances, and he is absolutely worth a look. And then at power forward, we've got all the big men spots. Rui Hachimura's at 48, eh, maybe for a tournament. He did drop 34 in the Spurs earlier this year. Uh, Tom Bryant, the tank, at 62. Recent performances have been a bit down, only for tournaments. Aldridge is always only tournaments. He's so up and down, while Jakob Pertl played well and has played well the last couple of games. I don't see much appeal there, nor do I with Trey Lyles. Let's look at Flaming Mervagna. We love what Wagner's doing, but... At five thousand dollars, at that salary, I just think it's—I uh, just think it's too high for him to be really a relied-upon option at this stage. All right, let's move on now to the next game of the day. We're looking at the Warriors on a back-to-back against the Dallas Mavericks. Seth Curry is questionable. Draymond did hurt his elbow today, but he looks to be okay. He always says he's okay. We'll see if anything uh, crops up there. Of course, D'Angelo Russell is out for the Warriors, as is Steph Curry. For the um, if if Seth happens to miss, it does give a bump to all those Dorian Finney-Smiths and Delon Wrights and Timmy Hardaway, but not really anything to look at them as cash lock type players. At point guard, Luka Doncic is at ten thousand four hundred. This bloke is averaging seventy DraftKings points over the last three seventy, and it's the Warriors, and they're on a back to back. He could drop an eighty here. Realistically, he has been unbelievable. Love him here, absolutely love him. Draymond Green is at six thousand. He's got the point guard designation over on DraftKings. And I don't dislike it. I think it's probably more for tournaments, just with the, the banged-up elbow. Well, Alec Burks at 52. I have to at least consider that. Four tournaments as well went off today. Delon's at 4,000. The lubricant Kai Bowman's at 44. He's got a little bit of value at that sort of salary there, Bowman, but not, um, not, uh, not the greatest of plays, while Seth is probably not someone we look at. Uh, if he is out, also Jalen Brunson gets a, gets a crack at 3,500. And we know that Brunson can be a 30-point guy if everything breaks right. It probably won't, though. At shooting guard, the little dog at uh, Glenn Robinson at 4,400. Obviously exceeded that today, but I'm not super interested in him as an option. Geordie Poole and Timmy Hardaway, no, they can just Spider-Man pointing meme at each other. And then we go to the small forwards, the triangle, Eric Pascal, 5,900. It just feels high for a bloke who struggles outside of scoring. Um, and that's a high salary, and there are 10 other games worth of uh, players to look at, so I'm not interested in him there on the back-to-back. And for the big man, Dwight Powell at 43, really disappointing so far over these last few, averaging just 12 points over his last three games. Minutes are always up in the air with how Carlisle runs that rotation. And then you got Porzingis. Porzingis. I like him at 7,300. Even on the off nights, he's dropping 35s. He can be a 50-pointer. Tournament upside, great matchup. Decent enough cash floor. Love him here. Maxi Kleber's at 44, 44. Not sure of the upside in him. While I do like the cash value of Corley Stein at a flat, well, I was going to say flat 50, 100, but it's not. It's 5,100. 5,100. How weird does that sound coming out of my mouth? But if I say 5,100, it makes complete sense. The uh, Wizard Amari Spellman, Marquise Chris, strong game from Chris today, but really hard to see him getting those minutes all the time. Although, if you're ever going to use him in DraftKings at 3,700, this would be the one to do it. But how uh, regularly does he back up a good game with another one? Next up, the Bucks and the Hawks. The Bucks are 11-point favorites on the road in Atlanta. 
The total is 232.5. Jabari Parker has cropped up on the injury report as questionable. Evan Turner is questionable as well. We know that Chrissy Middleton is out for the Bucks, unfortunately. At point guard, Trey Young is 9,400. Yeah, really like that. Now, I like Doncic more at his price and his output, but Young is good there. While DeAndre Bembry at 3,800 hasn't really taken advantage of the injury to Kevin Herter, but can always put up those weird 30-point performances. In fact, his last three against the Bucks, he's averaged 30. So at 3,800, absolutely has to be in play. Cam Reddish at 4,000. Don't look now, but Reddish actually has given us 23 a night over his last three. Now, I wouldn't want to trust it. I think the upside's low, but I'm just putting those numbers out there because that is something that has happened. 4,700 for the uh, the big ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. Big game from him last time out. Gave us 34 points, and that meant that his salary rose by those $700. So that takes a lot of that appeal away. While Eric Bledsoe has dropped down to 7,100. Um, Trey Young defense is obviously appealing for Bledsoe. Is he a must-roster lock type of guy? No, but he's in play. Not the strongest of guys, though. I'm sure he's plenty tough. He looks like he's got big muscles, but you know what I mean. At shooting guard, Kyle Korver, Paddy Connaughton, Wes Matthews, they're all big, fat nose. While Sterlo Brown's at 46, I'd rather take the DiVincenzo man at 4,700. For the small forwards, DeAndre Hunter's at 42. I couldn't be less enthused about a player than I am with DeAndre Hunter at this point. While Yanni Antetokounmpo at 11-2, some big, real good value, high price guys. Young, Yanni, uh, Doncic are on this slate of games. Really like Antetokounmpo here. Jabari's at 6,900. Giggity. Um... Yeah, really like the floor in Parker. Is he upsidey enough, especially with the questionable tag? I'm not certain that this is the slate to really get heavily invested in Jabari Parker, despite how good he has been. Vince Carter likely to return after being away for the birth of his child. And then on to the big men. Uh, we've got Damo Jones, who's been starting, really stunk it up last game. But he can be a 25-point guy. And at 3,800, that's not a bad way to fit some other high-priced guys in. Lopez rolling at the moment. He's at 5,900. That's a big price rise for Brook. Only for tournaments. We know he can have 50 because he literally had 50 in the last game. But that's not to say that he is a, a must-roster guy. Alex Lennon, Bruno Fernando are guys you probably want to look in a different direction to. Next game up. The Orlando Magic traveling to Toronto, the playoff matchup from last season. The Raptors are favored by four. The total is 208.5 points. Johnny Isaac is questionable after rolling his ankle and missing the last two games. If he is out, the chief El Farukaminu. Sometimes maybe good, sometimes maybe shit. He would step into that starting role. Of course, Kyle Lowry and Serge Ibaka remain out for the Raptors. At point guard, Fred Van Vliet, 7,400. Bang, lock it in, love it. It's not going anywhere. Cash tournaments, yeah, all good for him. While Markel Fultzy Fultz, he's at 4,400. Dropped 27 last game, starting to look good, starting to be not a bad cash player. I think there are better guys out there for this slate. But he's, he's starting to look pretty good. Uh, DJ Augustin at 4,600 on the ones and twos. I'm not really sure that he uh, has got a huge amount of appeal here. For the shooting guards, Terry Ross at 4,800. He's been around that number. Upside, I feel, is pretty limited for Ross, but there is still something there for him. Terry Davis at 4,000. Interesting. 31 points last time out for Davis in that game where they just racked up every single assist under the sun. He's getting minutes. With Lowry out, um, do I see him as value? Probably not, but I thought he was worth mentioning. Evan Fournier is at 63. That's a pretty decent price rise for Fournier, who's been good. He has a reputation of being a little bit inconsistent. So at that salary, I'm not certain I'm uh, I'm right there with him, but it's also not a disaster of a pick. 
Michael Carter-Williams is out or as well for the uh, Magic, so that should see Weza Wundu push in and, and give a few more minutes to uh, Fournier there also. The Jedi, OG Ananobi. Hello there. He is at 5,600. He dropped 38 last game. Um, the game before that, I think he had one point, so he is a, he's quite a bit all over the place. Um, 5,600 is not a terrible price. I don't think it's one that makes us want to rush out and go and grab him in every situation or use him in every situation, but it's okay. While Aaron Gordon down at 6,200, his minutes have been up. And if Isaac is out, I actually like Gordo here, who's averaged 37 over the last three, which included only 28 points last game. So I think there is an opportunity for Gordon if Isaac is sidelined. Hollis Jefferson's at 49. Uh, really putting up good numbers, but do I trust it? He only played 20 minutes last game, had 28, but the 20 minutes is the real worrying sign there. So I think we go in a different direction. And then for the big men, Mark Gasol. Oh, hi, Mark. He is at 5,600. He had 31 points last game. Um, the matchup is all right for him. I think it's pretty strong. I don't feel super good about using him here, though. Well, Pascal Siakam, I do. 8,800, strong floor. I actually prefer Van Vliet over Siakam in terms of a value-to-dollar ratio, but Siakam still looks okay. Well, Vucevic at 9,100, absolutely rolling at the moment. Now, he got monstered by Gasol last season, and that is probably the only reason that I would steer clear of him if Marc Gasol can put the clamps on him. Uh, and at 9,100, you don't want to burn 9,100 on a guy like that. While the water boy, Chris Boucher, strong double-double last game, 28 points and 4,800, uh, sorry, 4,500. I'm not sure that he is going to be a uh, superb option here for us, unfortunately. Next up, it is the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Miami Heat, the LeBron James Bowl. There is no spread out at this point. Kevin Love missed last game. He's probable. The iron shoulder, Goran Dragic, is questionable. Larry Nance is also questionable. Justice Winslow is out for Miami. So, of course, if Dragic is out, that's going to push up uh, Kendrick Nunn. It's going to push up uh, Tyler Hero there as well. And, of course, uh, Jimmy Butler with some uh, extra value in that spot. At point guard, none is at 6,100 minutes usage. They should be up with all these injuries. So I think he is worth looking at for sure. He had 46 last time against Cleveland. And, again, if you want to get a boost to your value, you go up against the Cavs. Uh, Darius Garland at 4,100. Dragic at 55. They're all no's from me. While the Padawan, Colin Sexton at 53, has been struggling a little bit. But out of those three guys, Garland, Dragic, and Sexton, Sexo is probably the guy that I would look at. I just think that his upside is relatively limited, as you've heard me say multitudes of times. Geordie Clarkson also probably not doing it for me. Tyler Hero is down at 4,400, and that at least puts him into the mix as a tournament guy here. I'm not massively sold. I am sold on Jim Butler. 7,700 for Jimmy, averaging 44 over the last five. I don't see how... I think a Butler-Doncic DraftKings core looks absolutely amazing to me for these games tomorrow. Dunkey Robinson, Robinson, 4,500. Yeah, I think it's too high for someone like Dunk. And then we go on to some other small forwards. Alfonso McKinney, I just mentioned his name. Uh, Kevin Love, 7,400. Tournament, maybe. Larry Nance at 43. Uh, Tristan Thompson is actually out of this one. I should have mentioned that. Uh, he's resting after a couple of uh, games over the weekend. That's a little bit of a concern. John Henson, we don't expect to play. And if Nance is out, that center spot becomes real interesting. Does Ante Zizic get a bunch of minutes? Do they chuck in uh, Tyler Cook to get minutes? Um, what the hell are they going to do? Like, there is some real intrigue about that center spot. Does Kevin Love play exclusively at center? And we get more Kevin Porter. That should get you at least marginally interested in Porter at 4,400, depending on how they want, run that rotation. That is something to watch, no doubt. 
Uh, Nance is at 43, as I mentioned. Zizic is at 34. That would be a wild GPP type of guy, while Bam Bam at a bio, 8,300. Bam is crushing at the moment, and against this Cavs team, another opportunity to crush. We saw what the uh, less talented Julius Randle did last game against this team. Bam's coming off a 52-point performance. He could get 52 again without really blinking. Chris Silver, Myers, Leonard, Callie Olinick, they're all going to sort of dick around with each other's minutes, and that's not going to get us all that excited. Next up, it's the Charlotte Hornets. It's the Brooklyn Nets. The Nets are favored by four and a half, and the total is 220 and a half points. We know Kyrie is out with that shoulder impingement. We know Karis LeVert is out also. At point guard, Devontae Graham is down at 6,700. Now, he hasn't quite been as good as what we would have hoped earlier. Uh, He's been good. Um, but the, the numbers haven't necessarily matched up with that salary of late, but it's come down a little bit. The matchup's a positive one. I'm happy to go back in with Devontae here. While Rogier is at 6,002, that's a strong GPP look. Dinwiddie at 72, have to really like that with Kyrie out. Really, really like uh, Spencer in this one. And then you've got Theo Pinson, who is a player. And then we go to sh- uh, shooting guard, Smoking Joe Harris at 4,900. He's quite up and down, inconsistent with the production. 12 points last game. 44 two games ago. So he's a little bit up and down, more more of a tournament guy. Batum has put up numbers in the assists and rebounds columns, but not necessarily for DFS, so not someone that I'm massively into here. Quite obviously, Shumpert, Temple, yeah, I don't, I don't see any value there. The artist formerly known as Torian Prince has been dreadful. He's at 5,000. This is just a GPP flyer. To hopefully something can get cracking with him. John and Musa, no. Miles Bridges at 4,900. Exceeded value last game, but... I am not confident in that happening again. And then on to the big men, Jarrett Allen at 5,300. Centers against the uh, sh- the Hornets generally tend to put up okay numbers. I like Allen here, who's averaging 31 over his last three. He's in play much more so than DeAndre Jordan. He's a cheaper price than Jordo. While Co- Cody Zeller is at 5,000, there are much better centers out there. Paul Washington Jr. is at 47, struggling. Tournaments for him, really. That's probably what we're looking at. I didn't mention Malik Monk because I'm not all that keen on him. Or Nicky Claxton playing some power forward minutes, but not really, uh, not really touching the sides of our DFS value tunnels. Don't know where I came up with that phrase. Let's go. The next one: the Utah Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves. No, uh, no spread at this point. Jahi Lehman is doubtful. Shabazz Napier is doubtful. He's got a hammy. He is out. I, this is nonsense. Andy Wiggins is questionable, as is Josh Okogi. Okogi played the last game. Wigo uh, dealing with that family death and then an illness, so he's still uh, ill at the moment. At point guard, Donnie Mitchell is at 7,700. Or anytime I see Mitchell under 8,000, I am interested in it. No no real uh, rhyme nor reason outside of the fact that he's good. He's averaging 40 over his last five. While Mick Conley at 66, not at that level. It's a positive matchup for Conley, but I'm not super keen on getting him into a lineup. While Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. Um, he's putting up good numbers. Now, is it 6,300? If Wiggins is in, maybe a fade. If Wiggins is out, I'm all about Teague. Here in this one, Dante Exum at $3,000. Just the fact that he's back in the rotation is interesting. Manny Moutier, Jarrett Culver, I don't really care for those guys. At shooting guard, Wiggins is at 7,600. If he plays, that is an absolute smash situation situation to me. Trivion Graham is a no. Jingle and Joe, good last game from Ingles, but we haven't been able to trust that. Even with a 30-point performance last time out, he's averaging just 18 points over uh, over his last three games. Who else have we got? Jeff Green. 
Um, yeah, cool. Uh, Keelan Martin's the one I want to talk about. 3,300 for Keelan. If Wigo is out, Keelan played pretty well. 22 points last game. There is at least marginal upside, but that would probably be more if Wiggins and Akogi are, are both sidelined. As for Akogi, he's at 44. Interested if Wiggins is out. If Wiggins is in, probably not going to care too much about it. Boyan Bogdanovich is at 5,800. He's, he's cooled off a bit, but at 5,800, I think there's okay cash value with some tournament upside. So I do like Boyan at that price. While Bobby Covington's at 5,700. With Lehman out, the minutes should push up again. He's giving us 30 a night. At 5,700, 30 points from Covington. I'll take that every day of the week. I'm not all that worried about Wiggins' status with the fact that Lehman is already sidelined. Who else have we got here? Royce O'Neill is a no from me. And then onto the big man, Towns, 9,600. Carlingley Towns, sub 10,000. Yeah, I uh, I like it. I like it a lot, in fact. And then we go on to uh, Rudy Gobert at 8,100, who in the past hasn't really put up big numbers against the Wolves. Uh, I would much rather spend up for 10. Gobert's fine, but Towns at 96 looks uh, elite. Gorgie Jeng, Noah Vonley, I don't really see the appeal or the value in either of those guys. Next game up, we've got the Detroit Pistons and the old Chicago Bulls, the Ryan Archer Jackanos. The Bulls are favored by one and a half. The total is 218.5 at point guard. Zach Levine, 6,800. He is that low because he has been that bad. Um, the Pistons slow things down a bit, defending point guards pretty well this season. I'm not massively into Levine, but he's not not bad here. Cody White, uh, Kobe White, sorry, at 5,300. Always worth a tournament look with, with Otto Porter out getting those minutes. Well, Sadoransky at 45 is a hard pass. Derek Rose at 54, better options around. Chris Dunn at 47, no. Langston Galloway is the interesting one. 4,900 for Gal. He dropped 40 last game. He's averaging 28 over the last five. Tournaments only, but he is one of those guys who is a little bit Alfarukamino ish in that he is sometimes maybe good and sometimes maybe shit, but he's been a little bit more consistent this season. At shooting guard, the Duck, Luke Kennard, 6,400. I think that's too high when he's got to share the rock with Rose and Griffin. Still like him in standard leagues. Just not sure I'm spending that salary on him here. While the baby shark, Bruce Brown, 4,800. Baby shark. Um, yeah, that's too high for Brown in this scenario. Um, well, Tone Snell is the other one out. So who's going to start for this team at small fort is is definitely up up in the air whether they go to a Sviatoslav McKay look or they put Langston Galloway into the start up, starting lineup and shift Kanata uh, around. That would be really interesting for Galloway's value in that scenario. For the uh, big men, Lowry Markland's at 54. The salary keeps tumbling because his production keeps tumbling as well. He's at 5,400. He is absolutely a GPP guy, but only a GPP guy. Griffo, Blake Griffin, 7,100. Love that. Hasn't scored under 34 since he came back, and at 7,100, that's fine. Drummo's at 87. I like the fact that his salary is that low against this Bulls team, while Wendell Carter at 5,500. Actually, like Carter here, foul trouble is a real concern with him, but I think there is some value. Now, last game standout was Danny Gafford. He's at 3,800. He had 33 points last game. You won't want to trust that because you don't want to rely upon a bloke shooting 80% from the field, but absolutely with Cornette out, he's going to be in the rotation. And and a GPP guy, but that's probably about it. The Bulls just need to stop playing 30 minutes of Ryan Archer, Jack, and that'll help those other guys like White and Levine and Sadoransky to get some of that value back, which has been taken away by the powers of Kirk Heinrich. The next game here we need to take a look at, we've got the Houston Rockets and the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets are favored by two. The total is 223. Tyson Chandler should return after resting the last game at point guard. Westbrook's at 8,600. He dropped 69 last game. 
Giggity. Of course he did. Prior to that, he'd been struggling a little bit. That salary is okay, but I'm not massively into him. Always into Harden at 11,800. Always. Uh, the fact that Giannis is around, the fact that Doncic is around means you don't have to use Harden, but it's really bloody hard not to realistically with what he's doing, putting up numbers like they're going out of fashion. The Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray, he dropped a 68 bomb last time out. Therefore, his salary is up all the way at 7,500. I'm not ready to fully trust that, but he's playing better of late. So he's at least at least mentionable. Austin Rivers and Chris Clemens are not. At shooting guard, Gaz Harris. Nice, Gary! Um, I don't see the floor. I don't see the ceiling. So that's going to be a no. And then we move on to Benny McLemore. Of course, we don't want him. Uh, Danny House, 4,800. Really like what he did last game. But that salary up $1,100. Really sours me on House. PJ Tucker's at 46. I don't see the floor value in him either. While Farton Will Barton, who is point guard and shooting shooting forward, God, point guard and small forward eligible. He's at 6,300. That feels too high for Barton. Mick Porter Jr., 3,200. He is in the rotation apparently now, ahead of Malik Beasley, along with Juancho Hernan Gomez. Neither of those guys realistically are a great DFS options. For the big men, Nikola Jokic, Big Chungus, 8,400. Only for GPPs with how he's playing. While Clint Capella, Mr. 20 rebounds. He's at 7,900, averaging 51 over his last five. Why not? I think he is absolutely... I didn't even mean that with Westbrook playing to to use that pun. 7,900, love it. Paulie Millsap, 6,100. Revitalized. Killing Jeremy Grant. Putting up numbers. uh, 34 average over his last five. Sure. Like what he's doing. Just doesn't... Look, he's really, really good at the moment. Plumlee and Grant. Tyson Chandler. If you're using them for DFS, you're probably scraping the bottom of somebody's barrel. Next up, last up, the Boston Celtics and the LA Clippers, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. (laughs) He is questionable. Uh, You think he's probably closer to probable than questionable, but we thought that last game as well. Marcus Smart is probable after uh, spraining his ankle last time out. 4,200 for Patty Beverly, who played uh, a lot of minutes last game and didn't put up much in terms of fantasy numbers. That's a strong fade for me. Lou Williams at 6,500. If George and Kawhi are both playing, which I is what I assume, it's hard to get too excited about Lou Williams here. While Kemba at 82 has uh, consistently been under that number over these last week or the last week or so. Smart's at 63. That's a significant enough price rise that on a bum ankle that I don't want to use him here. Um, for the shooting guards... We're looking at Jalen Brown at 7,500, who struggled a little bit last game, but still put up over 30 points. The Clippers matchup is somewhat worrying. Uh, only for tournaments would I look at Brown-O here. And then at small forward, the fun guys at 9,300. Only for tournaments to see how the Paul George mix works. Mo Harkless is a no in all formats. Jermichael Green also a no. While Paulie George at 7,800. You love that price for George. How he gets that usage distribution alongside Kawhi is going to be super interesting. Uh, I like the price a lot for George, and he actually dropped $300. So that gives him a level of appeal here, but I'm not massively married to him. 76 for Jace Tatum is not a bad cash play. I'm not sure of the upside, though, overall there on him. And then for the big men, Ivica Zubats is at 43. He is giving us like a consistent 23, 24 sort of point performances, which is really, really good at 4,300. Limited, really limited upside, but he's playing well. I think we can find better guys out there. Daniel Tice at 43 isn't one of them, nor is Enes Kanter, nor is the Rock DJ Robbie Williams. But of course, we've got to look at the table. 
Montrez Harrell, $7,000. He dropped 41. Uh, he's averaging 41 over the last three. Had 55 last game. The salary's risen $800. How the usage goes around with two big studs and Kawhi and Paul George remains to be seen. Uh, but he's definitely not someone to completely avoid. He is at least in a level of play here in this matchup against the Celtics. Let's now just have a look on Fangio at some value guys that I like. I like Prince, uh, Nunn, Hero, Dunk Robinson, all got some value in Miami. I think Gasol is marginally appealing on Fangio. Uh, Troy Brown also, Trey Young, Adebayo, Isaiah Thomas, Drummond, Graham, uh, Devontae that is, Yanni, of course, Blakey Griffin, Aldridge is a tournament guy, as is Rogier and Markinen, uh, Jabari, Vucevic, and Don Mitchell also providing some value. Shout out to the sun for shining directly in a crack in my roof onto my camera as I'm recording this portion of the show. As you can see, the weirdness uh, happening there in front of me. We are done here now, though. So subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and on YouTube. Give me a thumbs up. Tell your mates, tell your mum, tell whoever to subscribe and to leave a comment below. Follow me on Twitter at redrock underscore b-ball. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya. Carmelo Anthony.